0: This is Roger Penske, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, sponsored by Penske Truck Rental.
1: IndyCar fans, it's time to start your engines. Welcome to Pit Pass Indy, a production of Evergreen Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Martin, a journalist who regularly covers the NTT IndyCar series. Our goal at Pit Pass Indy is to give racing fans an insider's view of the exciting world of the NTT IndyCar series in a fast-paced podcast featuring interviews with the biggest names in the sport. I bring nearly 40 years of experience covering IndyCar and NASCAR, working for such media brands as NBCSports.com, SI.com, ESPN Sports Ticker, Sports Illustrated, Auto Week, and Speed Sport. So let's drop the green flag on this episode of Pit Pass Indy. Welcome to this week's edition of Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental. We are proud and honored to bring Penske Truck Rental to the show as the presenting sponsor of Pit Pass Indy. We will continue to cover the entire NTT IndyCar Series community and our new partners at Penske Truck Rental will help us tell those stories. Just one week after competing in the biggest race on earth, the 107th Indianapolis 500, the NTT IndyCar Series drivers were involved in a street fight in downtown Detroit. It was the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix, a race that returned to Motor City's downtown streets for the first time since 1991. From 1992 to 2022, with the exception of a few years when the event was not held, the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix was held four miles north at Belle Isle Park. But this year, it returned to its home, creating an electric atmosphere in one of the great cities in the United States that is undergoing a dramatic revitalization. The nine-turn, 1.645-mile street course was tight and bumpy, And many drivers were concerned about how well it would be in a race. One of those drivers was the pole winner, Alex Pillow of Chip Ganassi Racing, who said the cars were too big, the course was too tight, and too bumpy to stage a decent race. But Pillow would later change his opinion after he won a highly competitive, dramatic, and exciting race that featured tremendous restarts. Pelot's Honda defeated Team Penske driver Will Powers' Chevrolet by 1.1843 seconds. There were 10 lead changes among seven drivers and seven cautions for 32 laps with 189 total passes. Pelot led 74 laps in the 100-lap race and won the contest at an average speed of 80.923 miles per hour. I caught up with the winner of the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix afterwards for this exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental. It's a happy winner joining us now on Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental. It's Alex Pelot, winner of the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. Alex, you entered the race saying that Indy cars may be too big and too fast for the size of the track, but you went out and one, what was a pretty entertaining race. What was it about the race itself that ended up being much better than maybe some of the drivers expected?
2: Oh, yeah, and myself included. Honestly, um, the event was amazing. We saw already before driver presentations, uh, the crowd that we had was unbelievable. Uh, the energy that they had was great, and I think it was uh, a really good race. Uh, I, got, um, I got passed by Power for the lead. I passed him again for the lead, and I think he passed again for for the podium uh, on the final stages, so we had a lot of passing.
1: There was a couple of times where Will Power was able to go to the inside to take the lead away from you on some restarts, but it looked on that last one restart toward the end of the race, you were going to make sure you protected the low line. Was that your goal? Was that your plan? So that he had to go around the outside.
2: Yeah, absolutely. When, when he overtook us, I was more... Uh, concern about the, the gearbox uh, issues that we were having than uh, just protecting. So that's why he got in there. But um, yeah, honestly, happy that it worked out on the last restart and we kept the first position. A lot of the things that you
1: were concerned with was getting the gap for qualifying. Is it a better racetrack than maybe qualifying?
2: Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, it's... Uh, I like to go fast. I like to, to race. Um, and when you have traffic uh, every single lap, so um, you don't really like it that much. But honestly, for the race was was great. Um, I think it was a great event for the fans, for the teams and for the drivers. You won the race from the pole.
1: How cool is that when you own the weekend?
2: That's amazing because uh, it was our first pole that we translated into a win, I believe um without having any issues like we had at Portland in 21 so um really happy the the pace that we had all weekend really happy to be back here in in Victor Lane
1: you're off for a flight i know that uh, you're excited to have another weekend you know what's it going to be like coming up for you next weekend
2: oh it's going to be it's going to be great i mean we're going to Um, rest for a little bit now for a couple of days because it's been a hard stretch after a month of May, Um, but it's been a good stretch for us. So we'll refocus, uh, think back for Road America. We have new pavement there, which is going to be super exciting. And then it's, as I said, it's going to be really busy for the last 10 races. And does a victory at Detroit take away some of the disappointment of not winning at Indy? Um, Yeah, but honestly, I was just a little bit Disappointed, not super disappointed because I knew we had a very re- great race car there. So um, yeah, um, the energy we got here—it's amazing.
1: Alex Palau, Chip Ganassi Racing. Congratulations on the big win in the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Thank you. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. In the world of racing, Penske means performance and winning. For good reason. Since 1966, Team Penske has won 44 national championships, 17 in IndyCar alone. And last year, Team Penske claimed its Indianapolis 500 record-extending 19th Indy 500 win with Joseph Newgarden, the latest driver, to win the famed race. Team Penske also won its second straight NASCAR Cup Series championship. For household rentals, download the Penske Truck Rental mobile app today. Hey,
3: everybody. This is Joseph Newgarden, winner of the 107th Indianapolis 500, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental.
1: The first race on the streets of Detroit since 1991 was a commercial success with a large crowd, especially in the massive pit road suites that cost $75,000 for the 25 person suite and $125,000 for the 50 person suite. The corporate community of Detroit turned out and so did the spectators giving the NTT IndyCar series another big event. The race is staged and promoted by the Penske Corporation, led by owner Roger Penske, President Bud Denker, and Detroit Grand Prix President Michael Montre. It was a massive undertaking to bring this event back to the streets of Detroit. Penske Corporation President Bud Denker explains to me how his team was able to stage a successful event The redemption he felt when the race course featured some fantastic racing and improvements for the future in this exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental. (laughs) Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental is the president of the Penske Corporation who also staged a successful Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix back on the streets of downtown Detroit. It's Bud Danker. But I know there was a lot of work that went into putting this event on. And to see it come off the way it did, what are your initial thoughts?
0: Well, you know, uh, 18 months ago, it was an idea that Michael Montrian had after the Nashville Grand Prix to see the success of Nashville Grand Prix and what it did for that city. Communities coming together, businesses coming together, and the city just glowing. And we came back in in, uh, August of 2021 and said, could it ever be on Detroit? Could it ever happen in downtown Detroit again and off Belle Isle? And we found a a great course, a circuit we felt was worthy of that, that wasn't gonna compromise business or or the the international tunnel in the middle of our racetrack. Um, And um, I think that was a dream at the time. And I would say, you know, a cliche that dreams really came true this weekend. We saw the success of great racing, competitive racing, safe racing, and very importantly, fans that we haven't seen before come out in a very diverse way and enjoy this sport.
1: A Herculean task, not only by you, but also by the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix President Michael Montre and your staff. Uh, I asked you earlier today that when you decided you wanted the weekend after the Indianapolis 500 date back when you revived this race after the Great Recession, that at that time you did not own the Indianapolis Motor Speedway or the Indianapolis 500, which was held last weekend, So to use the same people that have such a big role in that event and have them having this thing go on simultaneously, everything has to be done last week for this thing to happen when it did. How taxing is that on the staff and to see how well they came through?
0: Well, you know, we've got a great team at IMS, um, Doug and his team and Mark and, uh, you know, from a standpoint of who was involved, um, Michael's certainly involved in it, I'm certainly involved in it, Marilyn, Merrill Kane to a certain extent, but we've really been able to, Bruce, segment the team we have here in Detroit to focus on Detroit, and we had to this year. I couldn't have them in Indy this year helping out because of just the monumental task of a first-time race. Now, what this team in Detroit does do, however, is they also put on the race in Iowa. This small group of people, Michael at the helm, will go to Iowa, and this, when I say small group, it's like 10 people. Um, we'll now go to Iowa in mid-June and begin the execution and planning phases for that race. Now, we've already started the infrastructure improvements. If you look at the chalets being built there, those things are already going up well in advance. So Mike will go in there. But um, the team here this year really focused on the Grand Prix of,
1: uh, of Detroit. Some driver comments that were made before the race, including by the driver who won the race, who said, track's too small, Indy cars are too big, it's too bumpy, it's too tight won't be able to put on a good race. You proved them all wrong. How ironic was it that the driver who may have been the most vocal about it ended up winning the race?
0: (laughs) Yeah, it is ironic. I think a lot of the comments, though, early on were because of the first practice. There was no rubber on the track. New track for them. A lot of guys going into the runoff, stalling their cars in the runoff, not turning the cars around fast enough. And I think a lot of the perceptions were created by those first practices where they weren't. But then when we saw the Indy Next race yesterday, I think everybody said, wow, this is a really good track. And that was one of the most exciting Indy Next races we've seen in a long time. And then we come to today's race and look at the numbers. The facts are there were 189 on track passes today for Detroit. 189. 142 of them were for position. St. Pete, great race this year 170 on track passes versus Detroit's 189. And 128 for position versus Detroit's 142. Long Beach, great race this year. Had the same number of four-position passes that Detroit have. I think we had a pretty good race.
1: As the president of the Penske Corporation, you're also involved with Team Penske. Even though Alex Palou of Chip Ganassi Racing won the race, Will Power put on the show, nearly won the race. He finished second. I know there's the track promoter, you try to be impartial, but how much would you, did you really want to see willpower take it into victory lane? Well, when you have Chevrolet as the backdrop, right?
0: Um, And then being obviously the key partner and sponsor of this thing, you know, you obviously would like to keep them happy. Um, But, you know, they're also, they also know that competition drives this sport. And we saw some great action. Will made a great move there late. Uh, not to get his wheel spun up by, by, by Scott Dixon, but some great action there. Um, the competition between the Aero McLaren cars was unbelievable the last 10 laps. And, um, and Will made a great pass on Rossi there to get positioned to, to go from third to second. So I love the fact of the competition. And we saw some passes late in terms, between turns eight and nine, and between turns one and two, that I don't think anybody thought would happen. So this this turned into a very, very competitive racetrack. And once the thing rubbered up, um, I think the, the, the drivers would tell you, they did tell you in the post-conference that this track was very worthy.
1: Do you think that a lot of those comments entering the race was just drivers have a tendency to maybe have knee-jerk reactions to a new event? They always, drivers have a tendency to expect the worst sometimes rather than see the uh, solutions.
0: Yeah, you know, they say, it's a new place, you know, there's new learnings, you know, they talk about some bumps in certain corners, and guess what? We'll fix those things. But no one got to test here. Remember, no one tested here because we couldn't close the roads down a week ahead of time or a month ahead of time or two days ahead of time. So what you came in with was feedback that I got back from the drivers who did simulation. And I ground some track areas where they said, fix this. I put some new pavement in turn three to driver's right because of feedback. I had no feedback on repaving driver's left. If I had, I would have repay that also? It shows that I'll make those changes because I made those changes already in driver's right. Never got that feedback. So it goes both ways, provide me the feedback and I'll make the changes. But now that we've had a race, we have a lot more opportunity to make changes based upon what actually happened.
1: Also on the restarts, they were pretty much stand up and take notice type restarts. The way that the drivers went in there and timed them just right to make the restarts, especially Will Power on a couple of passes for the lead. How exciting was that from your standpoint to see this circuit do exactly what you wanted it to do?
0: Yeah, the restarts were great because we have this long straightaway, right? We started the restart between just coming out of turn one. See, those that got a good jump, as we saw Will in that one uh, second-to-last restart on on Alex, could make a good pass. And those that had push-to-passes left, obviously, later on could make a pass. So I think the fact we had the seven-eighths of a mile straightaway where the restarts were coming into was a great place to start the race versus some area that's not as long. We had the benefit of having a a straightaway as long as the Net Motor Speedway and speeds that were just unbelievable going down through these tracks. So I thought the restarts were great because of the positioning that Kyle Novak and his team made for that. And then the other thing you haven't asked the question yet was the spectacle to be made was the dual pit lane. This was really interesting because this hasn't been done before to have all have 13 cars on one side of the track and 14 cars on the other and from six lanes merging to one in about 315 feet. How's that going to happen? Well, it just so happened this time, the yellows had really had no situation where you had 27 cars coming in at one time. They were sporadic. So that issue that we had thought might happen of a calamity in pit lane never occurred.
1: Also, there was really no calamities on the track either. You didn't have any massive crashes. It wasn't a crash fest. There were no red flags. It seemed like the worst fears that everybody seemed to to have entering the race never occurred. So from a track promoter's standpoint, you have to feel pretty vindicated by
0: yeah, that. Yeah, you make a real good point there, um, uh, Bruce, because some of our turns look tight. Turn one, for instance, the apex is 27 feet, much larger than some other tracks, however, where there's tight. So the issue thought that came into play was, are you gonna have two cars that block the entire track? And then you gotta go red. We never had that situation today where you had a car block the track even in their tightest turns, never had an issue where cars could not get around you. So your point is very, I hadn't thought about that. It's very interesting to the fact that the corners were wide enough to support the fact when you had an issue, cars could still get around and continue moving on without having a red flag.
1: And also one of the things that makes the drivers in the NTT IndyCar Series so great is you turn them loose on a racetrack, they'll figure it out. They'll be able to put on a yes, good race. Will. And I think that's what we saw here today in Detroit.
0: No doubt about it. We saw them figure it out in the Indy next race yesterday. First race yesterday was was a great race. And we saw so many people going into the runoff on Friday that there were probably concerns. And many of them were stalling their cars. Couldn't get the car spun around. I think that led to this thought of, oh, my gosh, we're going to have caution after caution after caution because we're not going to be able to get our car stopped to make a turn or slowed down to make a turn. And the runoff is going to happen continuously. Well, guess what? We had seven cautions today for 32 laps, and very few of those were a result of a stalled car and a runoff. It was a result of a mistake on the racetrack by a driver. So um, I think we proved that the thoughts that came out of Friday, I think we proved them very, very wrong on racing on Sunday.
1: I have to ask you this. Do you feel that in some ways you also proved the winner of the race wrong because he was the driver who was probably most vocal about, eh, it's not an IndyCar track?
0: Well, you know, Alex and I actually had a conversation after the race um, on the way to pit lane, and um, and the conversation was that, you know, I congratulated him because he was a worthy champion, did a great job. Um, great win, great run, and pole qualifying also. And he, his comment to me was, this track proved very worthy. So, uh, I'll take that from him.
1: Well, the event certainly proved very worthy, and... It's great to see IndyCar back on the streets of downtown Detroit. It had a big event feel, a big event vibe, and it's all due to you and your team. Penske President Bud Danker, congratulations on a very successful Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. And thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental.
0: Thank you, Bruce. I appreciate the opportunity to have you here in our beautiful city. Our our city was showcased to the world in ways that people had probably never thought. Riverfront—you couldn't tell if you're in San Diego or sometimes even Monaco. These boats that were out there, harbored. So we, we couldn't be more proud of our team, and thank you for this opportunity to talk about our, our great event. And we're already planning for next year.
1: And also uh, from those of us at Pit Pass Indy, thank you that Penske Truck Rental is a part of the show. Absolutely, we're proud to be part of it. We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break. As the NTT IndyCar Series heads into its first off weekend in over one month, the drivers and crews get to take a bit of a break before heading to Road America in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin for the Sanzio Grand Prix of Road America on June 18th. One driver who could use a break is our next guest. It's Joseph Newgarden, the winner of the 107th Indianapolis 500, who joined me prior to last week's Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. As you can hear in this exclusive interview for Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, the whirlwind of activity that came with winning the Indy 500 had left Newgarden ready for a bit of a break. Once again, we're joined by... 107th Indianapolis 500 winning driver, Joseph Newgarden a Team Penske. Joseph, how was the trip to New York? What are some of the cool things that you got to do? You've been a very busy guy since you took the checkered flag at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. What's it been like now being a week after being the Indianapolis 500 winning driver?
3: A lot of interviews, Bruce, a lot of talking. I'm talked out, I feel like, you know, it's it's been amazing, though, just to to run that race and, and to finally win it after 12 tries. You know, it, it means a lot more later on and. You know, trying to get back up to speed here in Detroit is going to be the biggest thing for me. Uh, it just I'm reduced on energy levels, and and I've seen this from previous 500 winners. So I'm going to do my best to still have a clean weekend.
1: Since you've had a chance to reflect on your win and everything that comes with it, are you now sensing how much your life is going to be different from here on out?
3: Well, I think it'll be more more enjoyable to head back to Indianapolis. I'm actually just very excited to go back to Indy and, and run the 500 again. I think that I think winning it has that effect on you. you. You almost will enjoy running the event even more so in the future. So that's, you know, that's been a big difference for me. And then other than that, it, it's, it's a big honor to win the race. Everyone knows how difficult it is and, and how prestigious. And I feel like when you, when you do win it, you certainly, um, you certainly feel a lot of the love.
1: That's exactly what Marcus Erickson said last year after he won, and he got to do some of the things. The best is yet to come because you're going to have all the Borg Warner things that are going to be involved getting your face ready for the trophy. How excited are you to see what that face is going to end up looking like and knowing that 100 years from now, people will be able to see that trophy and see Joseph Newgarden's face on it?
3: It's really cool. You know, it's it's part of the tradition, obviously, of Indianapolis and the 500, and, you know, you can't beat it. There's nothing like it in the world, and I'm overjoyed that we were finally able to figure it out.
1: So quick recap. You take the checkered flag, you go into the crowd, you celebrate with them, then you go into victory lane, you celebrate with them, then you spend hours and hours before. What time did you get out of the speedway? To go spend time to celebrate with your crew. Uh,
3: I think I got back to the bus, uh, essentially my home at the track at 9:30, and then I was just trying to take a shower. I got, I got a shower by you know by 10 o'clock, and then so we I think we left the bus lot at 10:30. It was it was pretty late.
1: And I heard it was duckpin bowling again this year.
3: Yeah, we had the, we had the whole team at uh, Atomic Bowling or Atomic Duckpin Bowling, which was really cool. Um, you know, TC and his his friend set it up so we had a great time it was just fun to be a part of that with our group and there's a lot of first-time winners including myself on the car and and that's pretty special
1: so then you get back after that at what time and then you've got to be up early on monday for the photo shoot
3: yeah just it's been a lot you know a lot of a lot of work to you know celebrate the event that's probably the hardest part but it's it's all great you know it's it's amazing how much everybody you know, shares love and and just support for it. So that part's been lovely, but yeah, just tiring.
1: So then you go through the banquet, which is not short, and you're the honoree and your big moment up there to accept the victory for the uh, 107th Indianapolis 500 at the banquet that was at the JW Marriott Hotel. But wait, there's more. Your night's not even over with yet. Then what do you have to do?
3: Well, then we flew to New York and we were there for, you know, basically two days. So yeah, it was never. It was like never ending. We we got to bed at probably two a.m. in the morning, two thirty a.m. in the morning in New York, and got back going again at seven a.m. So it's it's been low sleep, Bruce.
1: Well, what were some of the things you got to do in New York? Uh, the Nasdaq. What were some of the other events that you got to? Yeah, be ringing part the of? bell
3: at Nasdaq was pretty special, and uh, you know going to the top of the, the Empire State Building. You know, SiriusXM, all all our great um, you know great partners, a ton of ton of news stations, uh, a ton of reporters, just a lot of interviews. You know, it was it was just like nonstop. It was talking every every 30 minutes you were talking to somebody. What was your favorite part? I think just spending a little time with my wife uh, on Tuesday night was my favorite part. You know, uh, everything was fun. I don't like heights, but seeing the Empire State Building was really neat. But just getting a little bit of time with my wife uh, finally on Tuesday night, that was that was probably my favorite part.
1: And then did you get to return to Nashville Wednesday night?
3: No. I. So as soon as we were done, I, I arrived to Charlotte later on Wednesday and then finally got a couple hours on the simulator to try and prepare for this weekend. And, and then I had to come here this morning.
1: He has more races to win, but he's won the biggest race of them all, the 107th Indianapolis 500. Team Penske driver Joseph Newgarden. Now I guess your goal is to win a third NTT IndyCar Series championship this year.
3: Definitely. Definitely. It's... it's um, It's one thing that's, you know, number one on my list. So I don't want to finish second again.
1: Well, good luck in your quest for the championship. Congratulations once again on winning the Indianapolis 500. Thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental.
3: Thanks so much, Bruce.
1: And now, let's catch up with two-time NTT IndyCar Series champion, Will Power, driver of the number 12 Verizon Chevrolet at Team Penske. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental is Team Penske driver, Will Power, the defending NTT IndyCar Series champion. Will, we've had a very busy month after the Indianapolis 500, then the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix. Get a weekend off this week. Before going to Road America, how badly does the Power family need this weekend off? It's,
4: uh, yeah, it's always good to have a bit of a breakaway um, after a grueling month at Indy and then on to Detroit. But it's, um, yeah, yeah, we'll regroup and be looking for a really strong result there at Road America. It's all resurfaced, so quite a different track.
1: Yeah, I think it'll be fun. What is it about Road America that every driver in the series loves? Because if you did a poll, they would probably all say that's their favorite road course. It's, um,
4: I guess, it has a lot of history, and it's, it's one of those old school sort of tracks that are. It's super long, super long straights. It's um, got, got some nice elevation. Very, very, uh, very cool track. They don't really make tracks like that anymore, so. Yeah, pretty pretty awesome.
1: We didn't get a chance to speak with you after the Indianapolis 500. I know it was a little bit of a difficult race there at the end for you. From your point of view, how did you assess the 107th Indianapolis 500?
4: Yeah, I would assess it as I had a car, one of the best cars I've ever had there. We had a weight jacker issue that I couldn't use it, so the car went loose in that stint. You know, I kind of just you just slid out a little too far. I just got the wall unfortunately it really surprised me so unfortunate but that's that place it's tough man it's tough
1: when you have a car in high hopes going into the indianapolis 500 then a part fails or a weight jacker breaks or something like that happens it's really not in your control How much does a driver's heart sink? Well, when they said it wasn't
4: working and I did the first stint, I wasn't that worried. Like, the first few stints, the car was awesome. Um, It was only when it went loose I had no defense. You know, that's where the weight jacket can help a lot. So it was just that one stint that got me, unfortunately. And I really, I could have been, I should have been able to hold on for another four or five laps anyway. Just, you know, it's my
1: mistake. My mistake. Team Penske overall, once again, you made the Fast 12, the only of the three drivers that made the Fast 12. Joseph Newgarden, your teammate, though, was able to win the race starting 17th. What's your reaction on seeing him finally get an Indy 500 victory? Because you went through that before you won in 2018.
4: Yeah, I know how it is. Uh, you know, It certainly weighs on you pretty heavily as you go along and you don't win it, but... Um, yeah, he's going to be feeling good for a while from for, for that one.
1: When you go back and see how the race played out, though, were you surprised that he was able to fight and claw his way back from there? Because you did say it was a tight field and that back there would be a little difficult to get up there. But I guess, according to Tim Sendrick, they were a little bit ahead of schedule on the way some of those drivers advanced through the back of the field. Uh, I honestly,
4: I, I, I kind of knew... I thought we'd all be up there at the end, honestly, which I would have been up there at the end, but um, yeah, we had very good race cars. We had really good race cars, and you know, obviously qualifying didn't show our speed, but we, uh, we, we know these other teams are doing something that we're missing uh, for qualifying, but in the race trim, we're not missing anything.
1: The fact that your life changed when you won the Indianapolis 500, now Joseph's life will change, now that he's won it. What will change the most?
4: No, not much changes, to be honest. I think you just get a huge, it's just a, you know, it's a, it's something you've wanted for a while and a long time. And um, obviously it's the biggest event on our calendar and ton of history, everything, everything good that comes with that. It's, um, it's a good, it's a very, very satisfying feeling. Uh, yeah, it takes some, I would say it take a lot of pressure off him.
1: It was also satisfying for you because your wife Liz was able to come to Indianapolis After she's uh, been battling a health issue where she wasn't able to travel, how important was it for you personally to have Liz back in the motorhome, have the whole family back together again at a race?
4: It was good to have her there. Maybe it was too soon. It wore her down too much in my, my, you know, I feel like um, I think she needs to really, really rest and recover. Probably needs another couple months, to be honest. But it was great to have the family there.
1: So for the rest of the races, are you going to, Take it more easy, let her stay back at home in North Carolina? or You will see. Um, I think she
4: probably should. But we'll see how she feels.
1: So the Indy 500 is over. There's still 11 races left. Now you start thinking about the championship. You start thinking about the championship at race one. But from this point out, the Indy 500 is over. We put it over here. Now we focus on which driver wins the championship. How do you assess where you're at at the moment? What do you got to do to get back up there to where you can have a third NTT IndyCar Series title? Yeah,
4: we just got to put it together from here out that that. Indianapolis result really hurt us. You know, that's the problem. You're not thinking about the championship in that race. You're not thinking about it, Uh, which I think is a good thing. Like if it had been double points, maybe I'm thinking about it. Since they took the points uh, to single, you don't think about it as much and you're more about trying to win it than just get a solid result. So it'll be back to the approach of thinking about points.
1: The good news is there wasn't double points because I know that, as you've said in the past, unless you win that race or finish in the top five, it's a bigger detriment to a driver that has a poor finish than somebody who wins the race. So in that regard, everybody's back on a level playing field here. Yeah,
4: yeah. Yeah, it was a very... Smart thing to do, I believe, is take it back to single points.
1: Finally, what would you think of the way that race had a pretty disjointed finish? There were three red flags over the last 15 laps. I know everybody wants to see a green flag finish, but at some point, point, is it one lap may not really be enough to restart a race.
4: I think from a fan's perspective, that was what they would want to see. They could have thrown the red one lap earlier, but, you know, that's... They still got a finish that was um, that was exciting. It was finished under under green. So, and then
1: final question: Since we're going to Road America next week, what's a lap around that place like from inside the cockpit?
4: And Since it's been resurfaced, I'm not sh- no, I'm not sure, but um, I think it's it's a it's a great track. It really is. It's a really cool track. Um, you've got a lot of time to think between corners. So. Um yeah, a lot of fun.
1: Willpower driver of the number 12 Horizon Chevrolet for Team Penske. Good luck the rest of the season, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental.
4: Yeah, thank you. Thank you.
1: We'll be right back to Pit Pass Indy after this short break.
5: Hi, I'm Scott McLaughlin, driver of the number three Team Penske Chevy, and you're listening to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental.
1: Welcome back to Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental. Let's catch up with the driver who led us into this segment, Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske. Joining us now on Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, is Team Penske driver Scott McLaughlin. Scott after the grueling last couple of months that we've had of race 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 Indianapolis month of May and then coming to the Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix the week after the Indianapolis 500, you get a weekend off this weekend. Yep. I imagine you'll be on the golf course
5: somewhere. Well, it's my 30th this weekend so I'm probably probably no probably gonna go uh, to uh, uh, Miami So that's that's my weekend off.
1: But yet, you get to do what you want to do, which yes. has got to be pretty important considering yes. all the demands and everything that come oh, with the race to driver, a race driver, especially yeah. not only at Indianapolis, but Detroit was a Penske race. Yeah. So in a lot of ways, there's a lot of obligations that you have to face when you come to Detroit. Oh, there is. You know, it's a, a
5: lot of demand on us, but that's what being a Penske driver is all about, is having that demand and, and, and being able to, you know, look after it. And I've been used to it for, you know, coming up, you know, seven six six seven years so I know what it's all about but um you know uh, our partners are important Chevy's a big important partner for us and it's been a great weekend in Detroit it's an awesome awesome first weekend for the Detroit the Detroit Grand Prix and Chevy and shout out to Bud Denker and all the people that uh, put this race together because it's certainly fantastic
1: we caught up with you on the red carpet after the Indianapolis 500 now that a week has gone by how do you reflect on it and what are some of the things that you will remember and what are some of the things that you want to do differently next year?
5: Well, I don't really want to remember the race from my perspective too much. Um, it wasn't the greatest race, um, pretty disappointing to be honest, but it is what it is. You got to learn from those mistakes and, you know, my restarts were fantastic and just a few things that I decided to do on the track wasn't great. So. Um, but that's Indy, and you know, you have your time. Joseph won it in tw- his twelfth attempt, which is pretty crazy. So, you know, I've got time, but you know, ultimately you go there and you you, you have a full set of expectations and I want to win that race and for it to go as kinda of as bad as it did for me. Um, yeah, it sucks a little bit.
1: You certainly don't want to wait till your twelfth attempt because no driver has won it past their twelfth attempt for the first time. Nah. So in a lot of ways, Joseph did it right in time.
5: Yeah, well, I'm going to win it before that for sure. I'm going to win it before my 10th.
1: You will definitely win it before that. Heck, you may even win it uh, before your fifth. Yeah. Which uh, was coming up here uh, in a couple of seasons. Yeah. But hey, Road America. Yeah. You talk to all the drivers in the series. They will tell you that is maybe their favorite road course on the schedule. Yeah. What is it about <laughs> Road America that really gets a race driver going?
5: It's just it's fast paced. It's so fast. It's 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 history, Um, yeah. You know, a lot of different corners there as well so you can you know you can it's really hard to set the car up which makes it a challenge for drivers but um we uh you know we're in a good spot we're going to test there before road right? america get a good feeling for it on the new pavement there it's, the track's been fully resurfaced so it's a little bit different so but yeah really excited to have a crack and, and see what we've got How much do you think
1: the new track surface is gonna change the way that track races?
5: Well, it sounds like it's very temperature related, kind of like Indianapolis Motor Speedway is, you know? So it's gonna be interesting the way that the sun affects the racetrack and the grip and level of the track. So I'll let you know in a couple of weeks.
1: So obviously you're the biggest golf enthusiast in the NTT IndyCar series among the drivers. Mm. How many me, times? Me and Rahal.
5: Me and Rahal. You and Rahal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who's better, you or Graham? I'll tell you, Graham kicked my butt uh, when I was in Indianapolis one, one day. So, But I think he had a pretty good day that day. So, uh, you know, I think we're very close.
1: Earlier this season, though, you laid down the gauntlet to every driver in the series to see if they could come beat you on the golf course.
5: Well, Rahal did. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that's okay. We will uh, We will meet again. And he had a good day, and I had a bad one. How many times did you play the Brickyard Crossing this past May? I think I played it five times, so it was a decent amount.
1: You have to admit, the holes inside, I mean, with that backstretch, that's quite a fairway. Oh, yeah.
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, There's a big cart path, (laughs) (laughs) but uh, no, I I hit pretty well. I actually shot my best score ever. I shot a 78 there, Um, so I was really proud of that.
1: As far though as the way that race ended, with three red flags in the last 15 laps, now that you've had a chance to think about it, what were your thoughts on just the way the Indianapolis 500, it had it was a great, fast-paced race, and yeah. then all of a sudden the ending was pretty
5: disjointed. Yeah, it was weird. Like We didn't have a yellow for a long time, and then it was, but I think then everyone realized that restarts were gonna be a big, crucial part of getting past. People started getting desperate, and that's what happened. Um, and then you lose your cadence, you know, you lose your uh, momentum in the race, and unfortunately, it gets uh, gets a little bit messy. But yeah, ultimately, IndyCar wants to, uh, you know, be uh, make sure that they finish under green, and that's exactly what they did. Could they have called it a, a lap earlier, maybe, to give us two laps before the green, maybe, but. You know, it is what it is. You you, you deal with the cards you, you're dealt. And that's exactly what Joseph Marcus had to do.
1: The motto at Team Penske is when one driver wins, the whole team wins. So Joseph Newgarden won the Indianapolis 500. Yeah. So how does it reflect on the entire team? And you and him are bus bros. Yeah. So I imagine if you couldn't win it, it's good that a bus bro won it. Yeah. But uh, just your reflections on the whole philosophy of Team Penske. When one wins, we all win. Yeah,
5: I mean, it, it's, a, it's a motto that we've been brought up with since we, we joined the team. But I'm not going to lie, you know, I'm not, I'm not the most happiest driver like, like Joseph is. And, that, and I'll be lying if I was saying that I was. But, um, you know, I know where I can improve for the team to win the race is great momentum. And, and, and great. it's a great job for all the hard work they've put in because, man, they've put a lot of hard work in behind the scenes. Um, but Joseph was just bad fast and it was his day. He had to take it, so hopefully when it's my day, I can take it, I can learn what he's done, and uh, you know we'll be okay. But it's nice to have a, a team that's experienced to win an Indy um, after a few, year, few drought.
1: His day is coming soon. Scott McLaughlin of Team Penske. Good luck the rest of the season. Get out there and try to win the NTT Car Series Championship, and thank you for joining us today on Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental. Thank you, Bruce. And that puts a checkered flag on this edition of Pit Pass Indy presented by Penske Truck Rental. We want to thank our guests, Chevrolet Detroit Grand Prix winner, Alex Pelot of Chip Ganassi Racing, Penske Corporation president, Bud Denker, and the three drivers from Team Penske, including 107th Indianapolis 500 winner, Joseph Newgarden, two-time IndyCar Series champion, Will Power, and Scott McLaughlin for joining us on today's podcast. Along with loyal listeners like you, our guests helped make Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, your path to victory lane for all things IndyCar. And because of our guests and listeners, Pit Pass Indy, presented by Penske Truck Rental, is proud to be the winner of the best podcast by the National Motorsports Press Association. For more IndyCar coverage, follow me at Twitter at Bruce Martin, one word, uppercase B, uppercase M, underscore 500. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thanks to our production team. Executive producers are Bridget Coyne and Gerardo Orlando. Recordings and edits were done by me, Bruce Martin, and final mixing was done by Dave Douglas. Learn more at evergreenpodcast.com. Until next time, be sure to keep it out of the wall.